is Jesus Christ? That is our subject for this morning. If I were to be seated with you in just a small room and I were to ask you that question, I wonder what you would say. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, you would probably say he's the Son of God. And that would be absolutely correct. But there comes a time when we need to really get down into the depth of that question and evaluate who is Jesus Christ. I'm happy that I can do this today and also share this message by radio, which is going to be going out from 11 o'clock to noon following this service. You know that every Sunday somebody runs a tape from here over to the radio station of this service so that as soon as we quit, it's almost on the reel over there playing back for many people who cannot get here. So to all the radio audience, we say good morning and God bless you. Colossians 2.9 is the verse that I want to especially key on in this message, Who is Jesus Christ? I want you to hear it again. Dr. Pace read it for us twice, but hear it again. In him, in Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Think about that. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John chapter 1, he became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and full of truth. What powerful declarations about Jesus Christ. More has been written in history about Jesus Christ than any other person that has ever walked this earth. Yet few comparatively really know him. The most misunderstood man in history is Jesus Christ. The most rejected man in history is Jesus Christ. No question about it. Art Katz, the Jewish evangelist, has written a book by the title Reality. And there's an interesting part in his book when he talks about the Passover dinner that the Jewish people have every year. One feature of the ceremony in every Orthodox Jewish home is a table setting reserved for one man, a guest who has never arrived at these dinners throughout the centuries. It is called Elijah's seat. It's empty in each of these homes. At the very end of the celebration, everyone rises and holds up what is called Elijah's cup, the last ceremonial glass of wine to be imbibed at the dinner. At that point, the youngest son in the family goes to the front door and opens it. 
And every person at that moment stands up, glass in hand, holding their breath, expectantly waiting for Elijah to appear, to walk through the door, to occupy the empty seat. Each year, the same disappointment is repeated. There is no one at the door. They wait so long and eagerly for Elijah because they know that when he comes, the Messiah shall not be long in following. Now, isn't that sad? That for years, centuries, they have gone through that ceremony. And this year again, and next year again, and the door will be opened, and the glasses will be raised, but the seat will remain empty. Because this Christ, who has all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in him, has already come. He has already walked this earth. But they rejected him. They would not recognize him for who he was. And we know from the Scriptures that he's coming again. And that we look forward not to his first coming. We celebrate that during this wonderful month of December. But with anticipation, we open the door for his second coming when he will take us to be with himself forever and we will reign and we will rule with him throughout the ages of eternity. Hallelujah. That ought to make a little shout come out of your voice today. He's coming again. It takes more than traditional rituals at Christmas time for salvation to come or for a realization to appear of who Jesus Christ really is. Doors not made of wood need to be opened. And that's what I pray will happen in all of us as we evaluate who is Jesus Christ. Let's take his names for a beginning to answer the question who he is. The name we must begin with is the name Jesus. You will notice here in Matthew, the first chapter, that that name is mentioned three times. Verse 16, Jesus, who is called Christ. Verse number 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 25, and he called his name Jesus. What a name! But it's not an unusual name when you think of Jewish custom because it was a common Jewish name even in the Old Testament. The Old Testament counterpart is Joshua or Jehoshua. It stands for humanity and it stands for humiliation. If you would like to open to Philippians, the second chapter, you will see the real meaning of that name. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Notice in verse 21, when he talks about the name of Jesus, it's in this sense, he shall save his people from their sins. 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What a name, the name Jesus. It means divinity impoverished. It means humility. It means humiliation. Why? One purpose, to redeem us. If there had never been a Jesus, there would not have been salvation. If he was not willing to be humiliated, to take the form of a servant, there would be no salvation in our house this year. There would be no peace in our heart this year. There would be no altar to bow at this year. But with all of my heart and all of my spirit, I say, blessed be the name of Jesus. He humiliated himself for me, and I bless him for that today. The Old Testament Joshua put his feet into the muddy Jordan so that the children of Israel could pass into the promised land. The New Testament Joshua, Jesus, put his feet into this dirty world and the waters rolled back so that you and I could walk into the promised land without Jesus. There would have been no opportunity to go out of the wilderness into the promised land of His blessing, and to be able to stand today and say, Jesus, 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 never have I heard a name that thrilled my soul like Thine. Jesus, 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 oh, what wondrous grace, oh, think of it, what wondrous grace that comes when we talk about Jesus. Jesus. Who is He? He's the humble servant who left all of heaven's splendor, came down into this dirty world of ours to lead us through the filth, to lead us through the degradation into the promised land of redemption so that you can walk out of church today new. Absolutely new. Totally knew because of His coming. That's who He is. Jesus, the humble servant. Well, He has another name, doesn't He? Christ. Jesus the Christ, verse 16 says. Pilate said in chapter 27 of Matthew, verse 22, What shall I do with 
Jesus who is called Christ. Why did they call him Christ? The word Christ means anointed. Whenever you hear that name Christ, you're talking about an anointed one. Different than others. Thou art the Christ. Think with me of Peter's declaration in Matthew 16, verse 16. When Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? What did Peter say? He said, Under the inspiration of the Spirit, Thou art the Christ. Significant that he would say that. For what he was declaring was this. Thou art the anointed one of God. You have come with a special message, with a special mission, with a special anointing. Thou art the Christ. In Acts 17, verse 3, Paul is trying to convince the Jews in Thessalonica that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And this is what he said. And that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. There were many messiahs, so-called. There were many, because Jesus said, they will come saying, I am Christ. How would you know? By the anointing. The very word means that. And so when we say, Jesus Christ, we are saying He alone has this spot in history. He alone has this place in God's economy. He is the Anointed One sent by God to redeem this world. What did it mean to a Jew to say Jesus Christ? One of two things. It was either blasphemy or it was conversion. One or the other. So when Paul stood at Thessalonica to try to convince the Jews, and he said, this is Jesus whom is called Christ, he was saying, I believe in him. He's converted me. He's redeemed me. He saved me. That's what it meant for a Jew to use that terminology. John 20, 31 says, But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, take this one step further. What are we called? We are called Christians. Christ's ones. The significance is powerful. We are to be His anointed ones on the earth. Are you? When you say Jesus Christ, you're indicting yourself. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are saying, using that name, I am one of Christ. I am known as a Christian. Therefore, I too am an anointed one. I bear Good tidings of great joy. I am different. I am an anointed one of God sent forth into the world to bring good news. 
Hallelujah. I want you to think about that during December. When other people are talking about Santa Claus, you're talking about Jesus Christ. You're an anointed one to bring his name, his gospel, his life to everybody possible. Third name, Lord. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 2, verse 11 will be read, quoted, narrated all over the world this month. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, indicating authority. Oh, I love this part of his name. Who is Jesus Christ? He's authority. The most despised one in the world's history is the most exalted one. This is what Peter meant on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse number 36, when he said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ, both authority and anointing. And we sing... Crown him Lord of all. He is the highest authority. When Dr. Cho of Seoul, Korea, wanted to build that great building, the one that was just removed after being surrounded by a bigger building, they built one to seat 10,000. The church grew so rapidly that they built one for 30,000, and they built it right around the one with 10,000, so that when they got the superstructure up, they just reached inside and pulled the old one out, and now they have 30,000 instead of 10,000, and one-half million members in that church. When he wanted to build that first church, had no money, God said, go to the banker and tell him to loan you some money. He walked into the bank, said to the secretary, I want to see the president. Do you have an appointment? No. Well, I'm sorry. She said, who sent you? Why are you here? He said, I come from the highest authority. Oh, she said, excuse me. She got up and went and told the president. She came back. He walked right in. He thought he had come from the main bank. Never seen him before. Who are you? I'm Dr. Cho, Full Gospel Central Church. I need a check for $50,000 before 6 o'clock. He had no signatures. He had no collateral. He said, I come from the highest authority. And that man sat down, the president of a bank, and wrote out a check for $50,000 with no collateral, no nothing, because Dr. Cho came from the highest authority. He is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm kind of being ripped in the papers these days because there are some who say I don't have compassion for people. That if I knew Jesus Christ, that I wouldn't be down on a certain church in the community. I'm not down on any church. I'm down on what the Bible's down on. I want to see people go to heaven, not hell, and I wouldn't be their friend 
if I didn't come with some authority as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, this is wrong. He's Christ the Lord. He didn't ask me what to put in this book. He put in here what he wanted in here. And I as a messenger and you as his messenger need to live according to the revelation of the Word. He is the authority, not me, not anybody else, not any hierarchy, not an attorney, not a minister, not anyone. He is the Lord. He is the authority. And as we live by His code, we live. We're healthy. We're blessed. But when a nation, a family, a church, an individual violates that, they're hurt and they lose. He's the authority. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He's the authority. Crown Him Lord of all. It's interesting that that is the last theme of the book. In Revelation, the Lord God, omnipotent, reigneth. The Lord God, omnipotently. You remember when Moses went before Pharaoh, scared to death, stuttering, knees knocking? What shall I tell him? Just tell him, I am hath sent you. The authority. The person of authority. Just tell him, I am hath sent you here. And Pharaoh eventually bowed to the authority. Psalm 91, the Lord is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Not in a system. In Him, He's the authority. He's the Lord, Jesus Christ. Well, He's also known as Emmanuel. Did you notice that in verse 23? Emmanuel, God with us. Here is the supreme purpose of God. He delights to tabernacle among men. You know where God likes to live? With us. Emmanuel. God with us. How important is this realization of who Jesus is? God with us. One of my most favorite stories is that of a Roman Catholic priest called to administer the last sacrament to a dying man. He was greeted by this dying man with awful cursing. The priest said, I cannot administer any sacrament to a man in such a state of mind. He asked him if he had ever heard of the dying thief on the cross who repented and was pardoned, told him the story because the man had never heard the story. He related how he hung on a cross next to Jesus Christ and he believed in Christ as Savior and Lord and was forgiven and given a place in heaven. As the man listened, the Holy Spirit made the story so wondrously real that he asked God to forgive him of his sins. He died a Christian. As the priest told the story, Tears streamed down his face, for the Holy Spirit had applied the saving truth to his own heart. While dealing with the dying man, he himself had become converted. He discovered while relating the story that God is with us. 
He came down here to redeem us. And you don't find Him in candles. You don't find Him even in communion or some ritual. But through repentance, Emmanuel, God with us, redeeming us, saving us from our sins and ourselves. Aren't you glad He's right here with us? Well, He has another name, King. Matthew 2, 2, where is he that is born? King of the Jews. Wise men still ask that. Where is he that's born king? He was a king before birth. The king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Psalm 45, 8 says he came out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe. He was king before birth a king in disguise at birth, and thank God he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. You'll find that term throughout the Bible. He's king. Crown him king. Crown him king of your life. Crown him king of your home. Crown him king of your marriage. Crown him king of your job. Crown him king over everything you possess. Make him king. He owns it all. And he deserves the title King. One day every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that he's Lord. He's King. He's Master. Well, there's another title. He's Governor. Matthew 2, 6. Out of Judah shall come a governor. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Of the increase of his government there shall be no end. No one can stop the spread of his gospel. He wins by the scars and not by his sword. Some governments are not doing so well. But his is on the increase. That's what the Bible says. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. What does it mean? Ultimately, it will fill the whole world. So you might as well get on the bandwagon now. Ultimately, his government is going to be the one that prevails. Matthew 28, the last chapter of the gospel, verses 18 and 19, tells us that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. And that's what the church is all about. And I preach with a smile on my face because all other governments are going to fall. doesn't matter really how you vote. They're all going to fall. His government will be on the increase. And it will ultimately control the whole world, the whole universe. His government, because he's the governor of it all. Hallelujah. I like that terminology. He's my governor. Governor Jesus. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? I can see it on the door. Governor Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah. A governor who makes no mistakes makes every decision properly. Well, finally, they called him a Nazarene. In Matthew 2, verse 23, he shall be called a Nazarene. What grace. He identified himself with his little town forever. And it is a little town. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, John 19, 19 says, they put it up over his cross. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. 
Hebrews 13, 13 says, Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. During this season, friends, we must identify ourselves with something more than the frivolities of the season. If you confess me before men, he said, I will confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. Who is Jesus Christ? He's one you should never be ashamed of. He was Jesus of Nazareth, that little town tucked into the hillside down toward Galilee, insignificant Nazareth. Is not this Jesus of Nazareth? Who is this? that he should call himself a king when he's from Nazareth. Let's identify ourselves with him this month. What do you say? Not with just the lights and the tinsel and all that will be the trappings around us. Let us identify with his humility. Let us stoop down to help. Let us stoop to confess him before man with our deeds this month our actions this month, our words this month. Let us exalt Jesus in the midst of the people, this Jesus of Nazareth who humbled himself from the ivory palaces of heaven. Who is Jesus Christ? He's your only ticket to heaven. He's the only way to the Father. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who is Jesus Christ in Genesis? He's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. He, in Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he's our Mordecai. In Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he's our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he's our lover and bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Who is Jesus Christ? In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the mighty to save. In Jonah, he's our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is our Savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain open in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. 
Who is Jesus Christ in Matthew? He's the Messiah. In Mark, He's the Wonder Worker. In Luke, He's the Son of Man. In John, He's the Son of God. In Acts, He is the Holy Ghost. In Romans, He is the Justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, He is our Sanctifier. In Galatians, He's the Redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, He's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, He's the God who supplies all of our needs. In Colossians, He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, He is our soon coming King. In First and Second Timothy, He is the mediator between God and man. In Titus, He's our faithful pastor. In Philemon, He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Who is Jesus Christ in Hebrews? He's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, He's our great physician. In First and Second Peter, He is our chief shepherd who soon shall appear with a crown of unfading glory. In First, Second, and Third John, He is love. In Jude, He's the Lord coming with ten thousands of His saints. And in Revelation, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who? is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is all of that and more. Abel's sacrifice, Noah's rainbow, Abraham's ram, Isaac's walls, Jacob's scepter, Moses' rod. On and on we could go. Peter's shadow, Stephen's signs and wonders, Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons, He's a father to the orphan, husband to the widow, to the traveler in the night. He's the bright and morning star to those who walk in the lonesome valley. He's the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, and the honey in the rock. Who is Jesus Christ? He's the one everybody ought to embrace as Lord Jesus Christ. He's everything that you'll ever need in this life and in the life to come. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, my Savior, my companion, my Lord, my King, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who He is. He can walk backwards as well as forwards, E.V. Hill said this morning on Dr. Graham's program, yesterday, today, and forever. If you've got something in your past that needs to be dealt with, he can walk backwards. He can deal with it. He can walk present and he can walk future. That's who Jesus is. Do you know him personally? Are you on friendly terms with him? I wouldn't want to celebrate Christmas without really knowing personally who Jesus is makes a lot more sense to know him personally. I get books in the mail sometimes from people who write books. You know the ones that mean the most to me? The ones who are sent to me by authors that I'm personally acquainted with. When I see their name on the book, I think I've got to read that book. I know him. I know that person. Same with Jesus Christ. He ceases to be a person in history. 
and he becomes Emmanuel, God with me, veiled in flesh, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Let's reach out to him. Some of you have been walking a little farther away from him than you should. Get up close to him this Christmas. Some of you have never met him. All need him. He's more wonderful than anyone you've ever met or could ever meet. He's the fairest of 10,000. Get up close to him. His name is Jesus. Let's bow before him right now. Let's reach out and love him right now. Let's embrace him right now, this blessed Christ. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. We were lost. We were weak. We were stumbling around. But one day we met you. And we've never been the same since. Thank you for coming into human history. Identifying yourself with our sin. Our shortcomings. Our weakness. Our depravity. Giving us the ability to live as we should. In a world that is so wicked and ungodly. Oh, Lord, my prayer for those listening by radio as well as those sitting here in the sanctuary today is that they might know who Jesus Christ really is. Come like you did to Saul of Tarsus in Revelation. Reveal yourself to each one. In this moment, I pray, as we reach out to touch you with our heads bowed, how many of you would, on this first Sunday of December, like to raise a hand and say by that, Pastor Cole, I need to know Jesus personally. I want to invite him into my heart today. I really do need to do that. I need my sins forgiven, my name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to own him as King and Lord. Would you raise your hand right now and let me pray for you today. God bless you over here, sir, on my left. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. God bless you, sir, over here on this aisle. Thank you over here. Raise them up, hold them there till I see them. Then you may slip them back down once I've spotted the hand. Others, raise them up right now, wherever you sit. Say by that, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. Yes, thank you to my right, right here, two hands toward the front and another over to the right. God bless you there. Thank you so much. What a joy to see people responding to Christ who came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. You don't really know what life is until you meet Jesus. He is the life. He's the way. He's the truth. Are there others? Just slip it up right now, real quick. Let me see it. Then you may put it back down. I want to pray for you. Thank you, sir. God bless you over here on my left hand. Thank you here. A couple of hands in this section. God bless you here. Thank God for these, every one of them. 
One more time, I look across the sanctuary, other others, just before we ask Christ to minister to these that have raised their hand. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in these moments of prayer. Come into these lives right now. May they know that today they've passed from death unto life. May they know that as they personally invite Christ to come in, he comes in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he said. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Oh, Jesus, thank you for doing it. Thank you for being faithful. We love you for it. And in Jesus' name, we commit each of these to your care and to your saving grace. Amen.